0: Amen. Thank you all so much. Exodus chapter 19 tonight. Just a reminder, our youth retreat's coming up in a couple weeks. If you have any young people that would really benefit from getting away for a weekend with some other teens and not only having a great time, but also diving into the Word of God and being spiritually encouraged, we we would encourage you to sign them up for our youth retreat. As I shared with you before our worship, this passage of Scripture really accentuates the privilege that we have today on this side of the cross. This passage is also a fulfillment Exodus 19 of Exodus 3, 12. If you go back there just for a moment, I'll read that verse. God replied to Moses, Surely I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you and they will serve God on this mountain. Exodus chapter 19 is one of the most Pivotal and important chapters in the whole Old Testament, in my opinion. It sets up Exodus chapter 20, which is the Ten Commandments. Why then, in this context, does this come before chapter 20? We're going to talk about that at the very end. It's a powerful chapter. And so let's look at it, first of all, by looking at the first couple of verses where we see the chronological context and the geographical context of what's about to take place. And all the while, remember, at this point in Israel's history, Israel is being transformed by God into a worshiping people. They've never been a worshiping people. God wants them to be a worshiping people, and he's going to show them how. And he starts tonight by giving them a glimpse of himself. As fearful as that is, that's where it has to start. In the third month after the Israelites went out from the land of Egypt on the very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they journeyed from Rephidim, they came to the desert of Sinai and they camped in the desert and Israel camped there in front of the mountain, the mountain where God dwelt. That's where God always wants his people to position themselves in his presence. Where he is at, that's where his people should find themselves. Notice verse 3, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him by name from the mountain. God says to Moses, here's what I need you to make prominent. What I need you to point out to the house of Jacob and to declare to all the people of Israel, I need you to share this message with them. First, a message that reminds them of grace. You yourselves have seen, you've experienced, therefore you know what I did as your God in Egypt and how I lifted or carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. I titled this passage tonight, On Eagle's Wings. What a beautiful picture. God says, You didn't deserve it. You did nothing to merit it. But in my grace, I delivered you from bondage. I chose you to myself. I freed you. I overcame the power of Pharaoh. The power of Egypt, I delivered you as my people. And notice the purpose of God, to bring you closer to me. That is always the case with God. All the time, God wants to bring his people closer to him. Let me say this tonight. After that moving time of worship, God is doing a lot here in my heart and mind tonight. Revival is simply God's people wanting more of him. Amen. Through worship and through the word, God's people wanting more of him. And I will tell you this. I was going to keep her up here, but I thought now I'll let her sit down. Nicole and I are very, very conscious that God is moving here in a special way. And yet, and yet, he's about to do even more. And we are very conscious of the fact, as the pastor and worship leader of this church, that it has to continue to be by his spirit alone. It's not something that we can bring about or manufacture, it's all by him. In fact, at the beginning of this year, I've been sharing this with a few people in our church. God laid a couple of passages and verses on my heart and said, Jeff, this is what I'm about to do at the Oasis. One of the passages was Joel 2.28. I will pour out my spirit in the last days. That's coming, my friends. And it's going to be a waterfall. It's going to be... An abundance. When he says, I'm going to pour it out, that's exactly what he's going to do. Another verse that he gave me was Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And then John 6, 63, a verse that I've been sharing where Jesus said, the spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. Folks, the spirit of God is moving in our midst. And the only thing that we really need to do as God's people and as God's leaders is to stay out of God's way and let God do what God wants to do. And I'll say this. We're not going to be able to control what God wants to do or contain what God wants to do. And that may make some of us a little uneasy. I get that. I, I understand that. But you can't quench the spirit. And I think God is moving us even as a corporate body, to a place where we even lay aside our self-consciousness. I don't believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to be looking around self-conscious as we're worshiping our God. I think we're not going to care. when we see the glory of the Lord and when we meet him face to face. This is what God desired of his people. He he wanted to bring them closer to him. How do we get there? Through the worship of God and through the word of God. Eagle's wings are very appropriate because the Israelites... They saw eagles in Egypt. They saw eagles throughout their journey up to this point. They saw that those mother eagles would eventually push their children out of the nest, but they would always be there to catch them if they fell. They would never let them fall to the ground. If you've ever seen eagles do this, they literally will swoop underneath their children and literally carry them on their back if they're in trouble. God is saying to his people, I got you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. As I'm bringing you closer to me, it could get a little, you know, (laughs) but I'm telling you, I will always be there and I will swoop underneath you. And underneath you are the everlasting arms of God. He will never let you go, He will never let any of us fall. We are absolutely secure and stable in Him and with Him. I love this. I brought you and lifted you and carried you on eagle's wings to bring you to myself. Don't ever forget that. That's always the purpose of God. But now we move from grace to now our responsibility. The same thing is true in our Christian life. Listen we are saved totally by grace through faith. It is nothing that we can do. But after we are delivered, after we are saved, then we should want to partner with God, and then we carry responsibility as to how then we take the opportunity of being the delivered children of God. And what do we do with this opportunity? What do we do with this life? And God has a plan and purpose for all of us. He did in the Old Testament, He does today in the New Testament. And it's very similar as we're going to see tonight. Notice verse five. God says, Now, if you, now we're responsible, we can't save ourselves, we can't deliver ourselves, we can't free ourselves, but once we are freed people, then we have a responsibility to partner with God. And God says, if you will diligently listen to me. That's where it starts. Oh, that's going to come back on Sunday. So just keep that in mind. By the way, the words diligently listen are the Hebrew word shama, a word that many of you are familiar with. This church is actually incorporated as shama ministries. If you give things to this church, you give donations, you will see actually at the top shama ministries. The Oasis Church is under Shama Ministries. Why did I choose that? Because the word means to listen with the intent of following or obeying. God wants his people to diligently listen to him. If we listen to him and keep his covenant, then notice three things. First of all, you will be my special possession out of all the nations in the world. In other words, If you keep following me, you'll be so distinct. You'll be so distinguished. In fact, you'll be peculiar, which is why that word is used by Peter, a peculiar people, a people that's different from all the other nations and peoples of the world. For all the earth is mine. Then he said, and you will be to me a kingdom of priests. You will actually develop into those who rule and reign as spiritual leaders. You will understand the authority and power that you have. And instead of being weak, you will be strong in me and you will carry your authority and power as the princes and princesses of God. And instead of life taking control of you, you will take control of life and you will dictate to it rather than it to you. You will resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You will be more than conquerors through him who loved us. You will be overcomers. You will prevail because you are kingdom of priests. God wants his people to learn even now that one day we will rule and reign with Christ forever and ever. He doesn't want that to start then. He wants us to start learning to do that now. Now. And then he says, a holy nation, a sacred, set-apart, consecrated people. God is basically saying, you have the opportunity and the privilege to serve me as my people and my representatives on earth in a very unique way, a way that stands out, a way that makes a difference in this world, a way like the early church that turned the world upside down. But that's your responsibility. I saved you by grace. But now your life that you've been given in me, now you've got to be responsible to partner with me and become that special possession, that kingdom of priests and that holy nation. Keep your finger there and go over to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I know some of you have already gotten there probably. You're like, man, that. Those descriptions sound really familiar. Yeah, they are. Peter picks up on a lot of these in 1 Peter chapter 2, describing the people of God in the New Testament. Look at it with me, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Very familiar verse to many of you. Peter says to the folks that he's writing to, 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter's basically calling us out, saying, be the people that God intended for you to be, you see. And that's what God's saying here. That's what God's saying here. And then God says to Moses, these, these are my words. And you need to share these with all the Israelites, verse 6. So Moses came down. He listened. He summoned all the elders of Israel. He placed God's words before them as the Lord commanded. And listen, folks, that's all we can do. We can't force the word of God down anybody's throat. All we can do is set the table. All we can do is prepare the meal and put it out there. They've got to be the ones to eat it and consume it. That's why the Bible talks about that a lot and uses that as an illustration when Jeremiah says, I had your word and I ate it, you see. All we can do is set the table and place the word before others. They have to be the ones to take it and to consume it and to eat it. And all the people answered and said, we will do this. So Moses brought the words of the people back to the Lord. The Lord says to Moses, I'm going to come to you now in a dense cloud. You'll come, the song we sang tonight. I'm coming down. Can you imagine? These people have never experienced the presence of God at all, even from a distance. And now God is saying through Moses, I'm coming down. Thank the Lord he came down. Thank the Lord that Jesus, the Son of God, the King of glory, became Emmanuel, God with us, that he humbled himself and, and took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient even unto death, the death of a cross. God came down. Where would we be if God would never have been willing to come down to us? so that the people also notice, verse 9, may hear when I speak with you, and so that they will always believe in you. Notice God wanted to authenticate the leadership of Moses forever and ever for his people. God will do that with his leaders, those leaders that are following him. God will authenticate his leaders before his people so that his people recognize, yep, they got the anointing. Yep, they're, they're them and God, they're on the same page. That's what God will always do with those leaders who are following him and hearing his voice. He will authenticate his leaders before the people of God. So the Lord said to Moses, verse 10, now here's the deal. I'm coming down, but my people got to prepare themselves. They got to prepare themselves. I, I want us to think about that. Again, obviously different. We have a greater privilege. But you and I need to understand these next few verses in the context of how we prepare ourselves to come to worship. The more we are prepared for worship, the more we make ourselves ready, the more we get out of it. So that's like, and and Nicole and I have both encouraged all of us, including ourselves, to do this over the years. Let's worship God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So when you come on Sunday, oh my. It's just an extension of the other six days. When we come on Wednesday night, that's just an extension of us worshiping God the other days of the week. We prepare ourselves. We make ourselves ready to come into the presence of God and be in his presence and worship him because it's no small thing. God is trying to show his people, I'm holy. You need to prepare yourselves to even come close to me. Otherwise, you're going to die as we're going to see later on. So notice, the Lord says to Moses, verse 10, go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow. Consecrate them. They must be devoted to the worship of God. That's what the word sanctify means. And make them even wash their clothes. Make it physical. Make them realize that, that it's, it's the whole person. And then I love this, verse 11, and be ready. Be ready for the third day. Why? Because they need to be prepared to be in the presence of God. Oh, can you imagine the expectation, the anticipation, but even the tension? It's like, we're going to meet God? We're going to meet God? Oh, my goodness. And yet, you and I can begin to take that for granted again because of the privilege we have. Like, oh, it's no big deal. We're going to church today, and we're going to meet God. No! No! We're going to meet God. We're going to encounter God. We're going to engage God. We need to prepare ourselves and make ourselves ready. Because I'm going to come down to Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Verse 12, you must set boundaries. Notice that. Again, so different than us, right? God said, I'm so holy that you've got to set limits for the people all around. They can't just burst into my presence so they're going to be consumed. They're going to be vaporized. They're going to die. In my love, in my mercy, you've got to set boundaries so that the people don't go beyond that or they're going to die. Take heed to yourselves. Exercise great care not to go up on the mountain or even touch its edge. Whoever touches the mountain will surely be put to death. No hand will touch him, but he will surely be stoned or shot through. Whether a beast even or a human being, he must not live. Whoa! What's God doing here? He's trying to express to the people, I am a holy God. I am holy other than anyone or anything you can imagine, and you are a sinful people. And you need to appreciate the presence of the one that you are going to be close to. And you need to realize, even for us, what it costs to be able to be in the presence of such a holy God. Again, so different for us than it was for them. They they got too close to the presence of God, they died. Here we are, we're right now in the presence of God and we're fine. In fact, we're thriving. But let's never forget or take for granted how we got here. Through the blood of Jesus, we are made fit to be in God's presence. That's the only way. When the ram's horn, the end of verse 13, sounds a long blast, then they may go up at least to the base of the mountain, but that's as far as they can go. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people, sanctified the people, they washed their clothes, and he said to the people, Be ready or prepare your hearts for the third day. Can you imagine what was going through them? I mean, that would be like us, okay? I know this is hard for us. But it would be like us saying we've never been in the presence of God before. We don't know what that feels like, what that looks like, what the sensation is. We've never been in the pre- we've never come near God at all, right? But 3 days from now, God's going to show up. What would we be doing in that intervening time before we met God? And then I even think about that as far as how we can even apply that to us even in the New Testament age because guess what? In a sense, God is saying to all of us, even as believers in Jesus Christ, guess what? You need to get ready to meet God because one day you're going to stand in his presence, in all his glory, and you're going to see your Savior face to face. Are you ready to meet God? Are you preparing for that day? Well, hang in there for a couple Sundays, Lord willing, because we're going to talk about that too. Do not go even, he says, near your wives. Why? Because Jehovah would be the focus of their deepest desires. They had to prepare themselves to be in the presence of God. They had to prepare themselves spiritually, emotionally, and physically to be in the presence of the holy God. And now, the scene beginning in verse 16, emphasizes the greatness, the power, and the awesomeness of Jehovah. Our God is an awesome God. It says, On the third day in the morning, there was thunder and lightning and a dense cloud on the mountain and the sound of that very loud ram's horn. Isn't it interesting that there's always a trumpet or a horn the arrival of the Lord Old or New Testament and one day we're going to wake up to that trumpet too Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God see Moses was being the mediator for the people of God because even now God wanted to teach his people and ingrain it in their hearts and minds that in order for you to come close to me, you need a mediator. You need someone to bring you closer to me. And Moses obviously had that privileged position of being the friend of God and being able to go face-to-face with God. But the rest of them had not had that privilege yet. And so God is using Moses to basically take all of Israel by the hand and say, I'm going to go introduce you to our God. You know what? We have that privilege today of being God's mediator. I even feel like we do that even as worship leader and pastor. It's like every Sunday and Wednesday, we get the opportunity to say, come on, folks, let's all grab our hands and let's go meet God. And we all have that privilege and and, and that opportunity as the people of God today to bring people to meet our God who maybe don't know him or need to know him better. And they took their place at the foot of the mountain. But then notice now, Mount Sinai was completely covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And there's this fire going, and there's smoke is going up like the smoke of a great furnace. Can you imagine the sights and the sounds? That was going on. Even the whole mountain shook violently. Wow. Well, guess what? If you go back to the end of verse 16, all the people who were in the camp were shaking as well. (laughs) I mean, I bet their knees were knocking. Oh my goodness, God's coming. And here he comes. And there's fire and there's smoke. And there's this thick cloud, and the mountain is... I've never seen a mountain shake. I think that would be a pretty incredible experience and sight. These people were literally seeing Mount Sinai tremble and shake back and forth, and they were shaking as well. Because that's usually what's going to happen to a human being in the presence of a holy and glorious and awesome God. When the sound of the horn grew louder and louder, verse 19, Moses was speaking and God was answering him with a voice. Wow. First of all, all I could think about, the privilege that Moses had even at that point in history of hearing the voice of God and, and engaging with him. When all the other people are down at the foot or base of the mountain and they're just like, oh my goodness, you know. There was a... There was a reverence with Moses, with God, obviously, at this point. But there was that beautiful comfortableness, too, that he knew he could be in the presence of God and not be consumed. He knew he could talk to God and that God would talk to him, and that was okay. I mean, again, but, but even that, Moses never had what you and I have. Let's remember that. As great as Moses was, Moses never had what we have every day. He never had the completed word of God in his life. He never had the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He never had many of the advantages that we have. All that we would never fail to appreciate the advantages and privileges that we have, especially over those pre-cross. And then verse 20, the Lord came down. On Mount Sinai, on the top of the mountain, the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went back up. Here's an 80-some-year-old man, up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain. God kept saying, no, I want to go. Nope, don't go down. Okay, go tell them. Now come back up. The Lord said to Moses, now go down and solemnly warn the people, lest they force their way through to the Lord, and look, and many of them perish. They, they can't do this. They've got it. Again, remember, be, this whole chapter is not only accentuating the holiness of God and the sinfulness of people, it's accentuating it's, it's, everything's at a distance. Everything's separ- about separation. And here you and I are sitting here tonight or standing here tonight, and we're in that presence of God that they could never be in. What a blessing. Let even the priests, verse 22, who approach the Lord, sanctify themselves, consecrate, dedicate, prepare themselves, lest the Lord break through against them. Well, Moses says to the Lord, verse 23, well, didn't we already warn them about, you know, breaking through the boundaries and all of that? And the Lord said, go back down and do it again. Because I know people. You need to tell them, and then you need to tell them again, and then you need to tell them again, and then again, and again. Over and over again, because this is nothing to mess with. If they cross that boundary, they're dead. You can't tell them enough. Can't repeat it enough. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. A couple things I want to do in wrapping this up tonight. Would you, you can leave there now permanently. If you go over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, there's a beautiful passage in the book of Hebrews That literally contrasts, sets where you and I are at today as New Testament believers and where they were in Moses' day and basically says, look at the difference and be so blessed that you're on this side rather than that side. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to begin in verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 12 all the way through verse 24. For you have not come, speaking now to us, after the cross. You have not come to something that can be touched, to burning fire and darkness and gloom and a whirlwind and the blast of a trumpet and a voice uttering words such as those heard and begged to hear no more. For they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. In fact, the scene was so terrifying that Moses said, I shudder with fear. We're getting details in the book of Hebrews. We didn't even get in Exodus chapter 19, aren't we? Even Moses was like a little bit like, whoa. But you, verse 22, here's the contrast. You and I, we have come to Mount Zion, a whole different mountain, the mountain of the consuming Unconditional love of God, the mountain on which Jesus died, so that we couldn't have to worry about that other mountain that Moses and the Israelites had to deal with. You've come to the city of the living God. You're coming to the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, to the assembly and congregation of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous who've been made perfect. That's us, folks. But I don't want you to miss verse 24 because it's all because of Him. And He is worthy of it all because we come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant to the sprinkled blood that speaks of something better than Abel's sacrifice did. Even though Abel brought an acceptable sacrifice to God, The Bible tells us that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. The only blood that could ever take away sin and provide forgiveness was the blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb without spot and without blemish. He is the mediator. He is the one that can take us all who are willing by the hand and say, come meet your heavenly father. And he's the one that is the bridge between us, a sinful people, and a holy God. And through Jesus, he's now our heavenly father. The one that we can come into his presence at any time, about anything, anywhere. Because of our great mediator. One other thing, we wrap it up tonight. Why is Exodus 19 one of the most important, significant chapters in the Old Testament? Because... Look where it is in the context of even the book of Exodus. God is getting ready to share his law, his principles with his people. So why the manifestation of God's holiness in such a way that even the people of God were trembling? Well, for one, God wanted his people to realize the only way you see yourself for who you really are is to start to see me for who I really am. And until you're willing to admit how sinful you are and how much you need a God who's willing to make a way, then you'll never come. So you've got to see how sinful you are. But the other thing in play here is that God is saying to his people, the weight of someone's words or the weight that words carry in our life are directly proportional to how we view the person who's speaking to us. If we don't have any respect or trust Any admiration for the person who's speaking to us or speaking into our life, we usually let those words go in one ear and out the other. But if the person who's speaking to us has our respect, has our admiration, then we pay attention and we sit up and we listen to them because of how we view them. So God, before he ever gets to the place where he shares his commandments, his word with his people says, you got to see me. you got to have a proper reverence and respect for who it is who's about to share with you these commandments, because it's only by you having a proper reverence and respect for who's speaking to you will you be willing to even listen to these commandments and follow them. If you don't understand who it is who's speaking to you, then you will dismiss what I'm about to say in chapter 20. That's why. Exodus 19 is so importantly placed right before Exodus chapter 20. That's why God did what he did when he did it, because God is a God of purpose, and God does everything with a purpose in mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the wonderful time, Lord, we've had in your house, and for the amazing time, God, we've had in your presence. God, I pray that we will never get over, that we will never fail to appreciate, that we will never take for granted what opportunity we have today through Jesus Christ, your Son, to be able to worship in your presence, study your word in your presence, to live every second of our life in your presence. That, that, Lord, you're the water that we float in every day. And yet, God, the passage that we read tonight and studied, it was so different back then. They, they couldn't even get close to you for fear of death. And here we are, just living in your presence, God. Breathing you in and breathing you out every day. So Lord, I just pray tonight that through our worship time and through our time in the word, God, that our hearts would be renewed and filled with such gratitude for what we are and what we have in you, God. And that we would never take your presence in our lives for granted. God, all we want is more of you. Would you come down, God? Would you pour out your spirit, Lord? Would you manifest yourself and let your glory fall? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next week.